It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You like that? Well, the Washington Commanders didn't really like that as Kirk Cousins returns and emerges victorious here at FedEx Field. We'll tell you why and how coming up next on the Locked On Commanders podcast. You are Locked On Commanders, your daily podcast on the Washington Commanders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Commanders fans, welcome aboard one and all from here at FedEx Field on a Sunday night. Uh, this will serve as our Sunday night post game and our Monday episode. David Harrison will return uh, in the new week as we welcome you into the Locked On Commanders podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team each and every day. We are your daily podcast following and covering the Washington Commanders, free and available on all platforms, including YouTube and the WUSA 9 Plus app on your Roku or Amazon Fire Stick. We thank you for making us your first listen and view of the day. Again, uh, David Harrison out for this edition. I'm Chris Russell. Uh, you can hear me Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to noon with Pete Medhurst on the Team 980 all throughout the Washington, D.C. and DMV area and as well worldwide on the Odyssey app from, again, 9 to noon Eastern time or anytime live, free, on-demand podcasts and more. You can find David at SI.com's Fan Nation and Commander Country. All right, away we go. This episode is also brought to you by Prize Picks. Forgot to mention uh, our friends at Prize Picks. They are awesome. If you want to get involved in fantasy sports, and why not, right? Daily fantasy is fun, guys. Go to Prize Picks. They are daily fantasy made easy. Pick between two and five players. And if they score more than their Prize Picks projection, you can win up to 10 times your money. On your entry, first-time receivers, uh, users rather, can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code locked on. That's prizepicks.com. Just use the promo code locked on. All right, away we go. Take care of business. The big storyline in this one: a 20 to 17 win for the Minnesota Vikings as they improve to seven and one here at FedEx Field. In Landover, Maryland, is that the Commanders blew a 10.177 fourth quarter lead with about 14 minutes remaining, and they lose to Minnesota in controversial fashion. Several controversial moments, actually, and we'll break them all down coming up. So my initial thoughts on what led to the loss, and, you know, listen, it's easy to point to one thing, one turnover. Certainly that is a part of it. But the offense stalling and failing on two critical series in the fourth quarter when they had the lead and doing nothing, and as a matter of fact, contributing to the Vikings' touchdown and therefore them tying it up, is something that you just can't win games with when you have so little margin for error, and that's exactly what the commanders are and have, and it cost them. It cost them big time, and we all knew it would cost them if they didn't execute better against a better team. No offense, this isn't the Chicago Bears, the Indianapolis Colts, or the Green Bay Packers anymore. This is the now 7-1 and Minnesota 
Vikings. They couldn't get one more first down, one more extended drive, one more third down, nothing. They were up 17-7, and then 17-10 were the commanders. And again, they got one first down by a penalty on one of their drives in the fourth quarter after taking the 17-7 lead. They would have come up short on that drive too. Third and nine, they had a seven-yard completion, but there was a, I think it was an illegal hands to the face or something, illegal contact that gave them a first down, but then they were intercepted two plays later on a second and 11 overthrow by Taylor Heineke to Harrison Smith right behind us. Now, the worst part was not only the turnover, right? It's turned over at just around midfield, like Washington's 47, 48, somewhere in that range, but it's returned 35 yards, 35 yards, all the way to the Washington 12. If you somehow get Harrison Smith down, you know, Minnesota's got to then work. They have to move the football. They have to convert a couple of third downs. They have to work. Instead, you gave them the ball at the 12-yard line. You give them the turnover, and you give them the ball at the 12-yard line when, you know, arguably, I mean, if maybe a, a little bit of a return, and it's at the Washington 40. Well, the Washington 35, they still got to work, right? They still have to execute. And instead, you give them a gift wrap uh, present at the 12-yard line off of the high throw. And Ron admitted that, obviously, it was a high throw. I mean, I think everybody saw that, and that if it was a better throw by Heineke, then it would have been a completion. So the Vikings, again, quickly turned that into a touchdown on Kirk Cousins' 12-yard pass to uh, Dalvin Cook. And that ties up the game at 17-17 uh, once you get the extra point, right? Um and, and, of course, that's a, a, a backbreaker. Uh, okay, it's going to happen. I mean, he beat Cameron Curl, tight coverage on a wheel route. Great throw, just an absolute dart uh, by Kirk Cousins, who made, you know, listen, Kirk didn't play great, 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 great in his return to FedEx field. Uh, more on that uh, if time allows. But he th there were several throws, four or five throws, that were absolute seeds, absolute darts, and this was one of them. Uh, right after that, though, this one concerned me more. You desperately need a drive, three and out, including an incomplete pass on first down, a four-yard run on second down, and then a sack by Daniil Hunter on third and six for minus nine. Hard to win games like that, guys. You desperately need a drive, and you get nothing after the turnover and after, again, they tie it up at 17-17. And that would be the last time the commanders would have the football with six minutes and 22 seconds left. Six minutes and 22 seconds left. They never got another possession. We'll explain why in just a second. The field goal drive that made it 17-10, the commanders thought they actually had a pick six uh, by Benjamin St. Juice, but it was nullified by a DPI, defensive pass interference, on Benjamin St. Juice as he was hand fighting, battling, checking with Justin Jefferson along the Viking sideline. Listen, it was a tough call. Could have gone either way. Probably the right call. There was no explanation given in the pool report done by uh, the media with Walt Anderson, the NFL senior vice president of officiating. So we just don't have any rationale for that. Now, Ron Rivera said it was two players battling for the same ball, and he's right. It looked to me like St. Juice was a little bit more grabby. With the score tied 17-17, though, we take you to the, the final drive of the game, and it was an extended drive, right? They convert two critical uh, third downs, and then they appear to take the lead and kick the go-ahead field goal with 155 left, but it, then it's taken off the board 
on an unnecessary roughness call on rookie John Ridgeway for what they were calling quote unquote forcible contact with the head and neck area post snap that according to Anderson, the senior vice president of officiating through the pool report again, after the snap that gave the Vikings a first down and allowed them to burn the rest of the clock from about 155 down to 12 seconds by just running a few plays. Kevin O'Connell told this in the media that they he instructed his team not to score. Ron Rivera knew that. They were trying to get them to score. Neither side would budge. And instead, the Vikings just ran a couple of plays and, again, ran out the clock because Rivera only had one timeout. We'll have more on that in just a little bit. But then they kicked the go-ahead field goal with 12 seconds left. And then Washington had a chance after the kickoff 12 seconds on the clock and they ran a play and they got, they couldn't even get out of bounds. They couldn't get out of bounds. 12 seconds left. They couldn't even get a second playoff disaster. Uh, Rivera said that the technique that John Ridgeway used and others are taught to cross the face of the snapper to avoid the unnecessary roughness, the unnecessary contact. And he said, that's basically what Ridgeway did. I've heard that the Vikings saw what Washington was doing prior to that and tipped off the officials. Take that for what it's worth. Maybe they were looking for it extra hard. Back to the Benjamin St. Juice DPI penalty. Again, that wiped out the pick six. That was when they were up 17-7. If they score there, not only does Minnesota not get the field goal, but they also get the touchdown, does Benjamin St. Juice, and it's 24 to seven at that point. And Minnesota is probably not coming back for that play of the day. Curtis Samuels, 49 yard touchdown uh, to start the second half. It was quick. It was in the first minute uh, of the second half. It was brilliant with the exception of a Vikings converging safety runs into an official who gets knocked down. The Viking safety gets taken out. He probably would have intercepted it or broke it up. At least that's what Kevin O'Connell, the Vikings head coach and former Redskins, Washington, rather offensive coordinator, told us in the media afterwards. Either way, it was in double coverage at the very minimum with a defensive back behind Curtis Samuel and a defensive back kind of trail and sort of in front. And it was a risky, dangerous throw by Kurt, uh, uh, by Kirk Cousins, by uh, Taylor Heineke, but yet Washington got away with it. It could have been an interception, and it wasn't. So a 49-yard touchdown right after the start of the third quarter uh, is our play of the day for the Washington Commanders in a 20-17 to loss by uh, the Commanders to the Minnesota Vikings as they have now won six in a row. The Commanders' three-game winning streak is over. Inside the offensive and defensive performances and how they helped and hurt the Commanders. But now we're going to give you a prize for your suffering with Prize Picks and PrizePicks.com. That's right, our friends at Prize Picks. They are awesome. As we told you about, you want to be a part of the daily fantasy action It's easy to compete and quick to play. Here's what you do. You pick between two and five players, and if they score more or less than their prize picks projection, you're going to win. And you can win up to 10 times your money on any entry. There's no competing against other people. It's just you versus the projections available. Uh, Check out the Monday night game. Of course, now with baseball over, you got full swing hockey and the basketball action and college football, whatever you want, whatever player you want, whatever game you want, you can pick it. Prize Picks offers you projections on any sport that you watch. Trust me, guys, it's a lot of fun. I play it all the time. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's easy to win. Safe and fast withdrawals available in over 
30 states and Canada. Go to prizepicks.com right now. First-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code locked on. If you deposit 100, prize picks give you 100. If you deposit 50, prize picks it's going to give you 50. Don't forget to use the promo code locked on at sign up for an instant deposit match of up to $100. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, back here at FedEx Field. Coming up right here on the Locked On Commanders podcast. The Commanders snatched defeat from the jaws of victory because of a mostly blah offense and more details on that in a moment but we appreciate you guys for being with us and making the locked on commanders podcast your first listen and first watch of the day for your second listen and watch check out locked on sports today peter bukowski and friends come uh, from the games that matter the most of the biggest stories in sports go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights only locked on can provide locked on sports today it's available uh, on youtube this app and wherever you get your podcasts all right coming up our offensive uh, our defensive observations and special teams breakdown but first again the the offense for the commanders listen bottom line is it stunk in the first half and it was even more in, inefficient from a points and drive standpoint than it has been under taylor heineke right heineke hasn't been good in the first half and either the colts win or the packers win but at least he had a touchdown drive not so fast in this first half against a better opponent in the Minnesota Vikings. Washington only scored three points in the first half on a Joey Sly 44-yard field goal, and that was in the final minute of play in the first half, capping an 11-play 37-yard drive, 37 seconds left to go before halftime. They only had 116 total net yards in the entire first half with Heineke at 6 of 14 for 48 yards, was sacked twice, a couple of tipped, deflected, batted down balls, at least three, maybe four, because he was in the pocket they were doing a good job, not flushing him out. Washington didn't start rolling him out until the second half. And even then it was select, which it should be. It should be. One of the big problems was an inability to kind of sustain any success. Let me give you an example. They had a couple of drives that started with a 16-yard run in the first quarter by Curtis Samuel. I think that was their second drive of the game, a 17-yard catch and run on a first down, first play of the series to Terry McLaurin. I think that was on the third series. And then back-to-back five-yard runs on a series after that. I think that was the fourth series, I want to say, in the first half, right? Now stretching into the second quarter, all on first play, first down, that type of thing. But then they were unable to sustain success, whether it be a sack or a run loss or a pass loss or something going wrong. They didn't turn the ball over, but they just couldn't get out of their own way after kind of like initially having that surge of success. Now we already touched on their final two drives, right? Nothing good happening uh, there. But in between, the offense at least did hum between the end of the first half and really that final drive of the first half and the couple of drives in the third quarter that, of course, led to 
the Curtis Samuel touchdown and then the Dax Milne touchdown from six yards out into the early fourth quarter. Now, they did get a face mask penalty that extended that drive on Zedaria Smith, or it would have been a long field goal attempt. So we have to keep that in mind when we look at you know penalties affecting plays and series and drives and games and all that. It was a good penalty, but we have to keep that in mind. Now, the defense got off to a terrible start. Uh, they made an initial stop on Dalvin Cook on a loss for the first play from scrimmage. I think that was Cam Curl, if memory serves uh, me correct. They got off to really good starts on defensive drives after that, but before that first drive really went anywhere, then they started to struggle. Minnesota picked it up right away. New addition, TJ Hawkinson over the middle, plus 19 on third and seven, third and eight, somewhere in that range, right around midfield. Justin Jefferson had four catches for 48 yards on the drive, including a nine-yard touchdown. Tight coverage, Benjamin St. Juice back a line of the end zone. That was his first touchdown catch since week one when he had two. He had a touchdown running, I think, before that, week four, week five, somewhere in that range. But his first touchdown catch since week one. The Vikings then went the next Seven drives like this. Check this out. Four punts in a row, an interception by Danny Johnson off of a tip play from St. Juice on Justin Jefferson and in the back corner of the end zone near the end of the first half, and then popped up to Danny Johnson to end the first half, again, in the end zone, and then two more punts. So six out of seven drives ended in punts. Washington only gave up 110 net yards on those seven drives. 32 plays. An average of 3.43 per play. That's excellent, obviously. You know, BSJ had his battles with Justin Jefferson. We told you about the touchdown. We told you about the defensive pass interference. We told you about the play at the end of the first half. And obviously, he's a great receiver, but BSJ, by and large, did a pretty damn good job. I think Kendall Fuller got beat on one early. Uh, I'd have to go back and check uh, the tape. We mentioned Cam Curl in coverage, but he also saved the touchdown on a tackle of Adam Thielen, which forced that field goal to make it 17-10. Spotty was the special team. Spotty, spotty, spotty. The Ridgeway penalty, obviously a killer. Also, Percy Butler wasn't able to get to a ball at the one that wound up as a touchback. They had a holding call on Rashad Wild Goose, who commits a penalty every other play. Uh, it's five or six so far since week three. Uh, that wiped out an 11-yard return by Dax Milne that would have put the ball at the Minnesota 44 and instead cost the commanders a total net of 21 yards by the time they marked the penalty. They did nothing with that field position, which, of course, was worse than it should have been. The good was they had Christian Holmes downing a punt at the six. Good, along with Antonio Gibson's 45-yard kickoff return to start the second half, which fueled the Samuel touchdown, and Joey Sly and Tressway were very good, if not Solid, whatever you want to call it. All right, coming up, the commanders had some strange clock management, baby. Yeah, again, we'll try our best to explain it, make heads or tails. And speaking of heads or tails, a coin flip, right? Well, that's what a bet might be. But if you're on betonline.net, you can be smarter than that. and You can be a smarter, better. Why? Because BetOnline has great information, analysis, stats, and everything you need to be a better bet. A better, better is what he wanted to say. They are your number one source for betting football. Uh, of course, the start of the basketball season is here. Hockey in full swing. College football still a major player. The cost of the commanders over under 
is five and a half billion. Last time I checked it at Bet Online, that was on Friday, but reportedly now said to be around seven billion. That according to Jay Glazer. So hop on the over now, right? If Jay Glazer is right, find out all the latest player developments, team matchups, all of that. All as always, Bet Online remains your continued source for all your live in-game betting uh, and up-to-the-minute scores for every sport out there. The Commanders again, surely going to be about touchdown at least dogs in Philadelphia next Monday night. So head on over to Bet Online if you're feeling froggy about the Commanders hanging tight in Filthy, who is undefeated. The fastest and easiest way to check in on all the sports action is Bet Online. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more at Bet Online the game starts. Hey guys, it's Joe Marino. Being around sports media and a fan of the Buffalo Bills for a lifetime has taught me that sometimes it's exploring the sliding doors moments and what if scenarios in sports that can be the best part of the fan experience. What if the Seahawks let Marshawn run on the one yard line with the Super Bowl on the line or could a coin flip have landed Magic in Chicago, Michael in L.A., and made Charles Barkley the first black president? Enter Wondery's newest sports show, Alternate Routes, a weekly leap into the sports multiverse with former Sports Center anchors Trey Wingo and Kevin Frazier. Each week on the podcast, Trey and Kevin will pry open the sliding doors of a different what-if moment from the world of sports. In these alternate sports realities, Dynasties will fall, legacies will change forever, and new goats will emerge. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts, and you can listen to Alternate Routes early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. All right, wrapping up here at FedEx Field. Good to have you with us. Once again, I'm Chris Russell. David Harrison should return on the next episode. Some curious coaching decisions uh, by Ron Rivera. As pretty much always. Now, he defends, you know, pretty much everything, uh, as you'll hear. Uh, and that's okay. I mean, that's his right. He's the head coach. He's got to explain it. I mean, he's got to have an answer. He's got to have a rationale, whether it's true or not. I don't know. Uh, but some curious decisions. And certainly, you guys are kind of out there wondering, what the heck's going on? Why is this every game? There's just clock malfunctions, clock weirdness, uh, and what have you. So let's get into it. Just a couple of quick moments uh, here. Ron challenged a second and nine spinning run by Taylor Heineke. Again, nice little spin rooney there in midfield uh, on a spot that would have set up a third and one. That's the way it was initially marked. They lost the challenge and, of course, a second timeout. That was the second lost challenge of the day. But a second time. Oh, I'm sorry. That was not the second loss challenge. That was, that was the first loss challenge. My bad. Uh, that was the second time out of the second half because they used one earlier in the third quarter on a fourth and one, which is what we're going to get to now. They used it after deciding to go for it. Then they called the team back on the sideline, went for it again on fourth and one, which I had no problem. And everybody else seemed to have a problem because they lined Taylor Heineke up under center and booted him out to the right. And then he threw a pass incomplete. I thought it went through kind of the hands. And I was contested of Terry McLaurin. I thought he could have had it. I mean, obviously the defensive back was right there. I did not think it was a bad play, a bad design, a bad setup. I agreed with the decision to go for it on fourth and one. Everyone in the press box was angry. Twitter was ablaze. Guys, what the hell do you want him to do? You don't like pistol. You don't like shotgun. You don't like running. You don't like passing. You don't like this. You don't like that. Shut up. 
I mean, what do you want them to do? What do you want them to do? I mean, it's laughable. Like everyone was fired up about the pistol runs last week in Indianapolis. Like th- there's not that many choices. And either you're under center or you're not. And either you pass or you run. Everybody wants a quarterback sneak. They don't want to run quarterback sneak all the time. A, it's predictable. And B, what happens if Heineke gets smashed like a bug? Sam Howell's the quarterback. They don't have anybody else. This is part of the same reason why they don't run him out of the pocket all the time. I don't understand why fans don't understand this. And media, quite honestly. Disappointing. Disappointing. What was disappointing was also using a timeout when you didn't really need to, probably. Now, it's a big spot. I understand that. But, you know, then you don't challenge the other play, knowing that it could cost you a second timeout, and then you're left with one. It's silly. You have to be smarter with your timeouts. Now, Rivera did not use his final timeout, the one he had left, before the two-minute warning, allowing about 25 seconds to expire, saying, no, look, look at how it worked out. They needed it following the Ridgeway penalty, right? Which is true. The problem is, is he couldn't have predicted that. So that can't be the reason. Oh, I got to I got to save it in case something freaky happens. Uh, And while you let a gap of time expire again, it's about 25 seconds after a running play. Now you say, well, okay, again, it's nice to have a, a timeout in your bag, whether on defense or offense after the two minute warning. And that is fair. But generally, generally. Um, now it's a 17-17 game at this point. Generally, you want to leave your team time to operate, right? So the one thing you can control is if you can save yourself 25-ish seconds uh, on the north side of the two-minute warning, you do that, right? Now, they were better at the end of the first half with clock and timeout usage on that field goal drive. So at least that was uh, good. The three stars of the game, three Game balls, if you will. Uh, They're not going all to the Washington Commanders. No, 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 no. Uh, Give one to Curtis Samuel, not only the 49-yard touchdown catch and tumble into the end zone, but also a 16-yard run uh, on the second series first down. Uh, Did a little bit more than that. Curtis Samuel did uh, probably the best overall individual offensive player on the Commanders. Uh, Justin Jefferson, I'm going to give a game ball to. The second game ball touchdown catch obviously was a factor in a bunch of plays, including the one that may have changed the game forever, drawing that defensive pass interference controversial, but drawing it against Benjamin St. Juice and the number one star. Welcome back to Kirk Cousins for the first time in five years. He played a game here at FedEx Field, where he played from 2012 through 2017, started every game from 2015 through 2017. Got to spend a lot of time uh, with Kirk today uh, before the game for a couple of minutes uh, after the game in his press conference. Um, You know, he was very nice to give me a shout out. I appreciate that and all. Uh, That was cool. Um, You know, but but Kirk got his uh, last laugh, if you will, even though, uh, you know, the regime that let him go um, and double franchise tagged him is no longer here. Bruce Allen, uh, you know, of course, Dan Snyder is (laughs) for now. but good for Kirk. And he did a, you like that. 
in the breakdown in the Vikings huddle, uh, which we put on Twitter at LO Commanders at WrestleMania 621. So good for Kirk that he got that moment. And again, I know this meant a lot to him. Again, getting a share of some uh, minutes with him. Such a nice guy. Um, you know, I hate how things kind of ended here. I'm happy for his success. Of course, he needs to have more playoff success. Got it. Everybody understands that. I'll take Kirk Cousins as my quarterback any day of the week and 10 times on Sunday. The Washington Commanders simply have not had an answer since letting Kirk Cousins go, no matter what the fans want to say about that. All right, that's going to do it for us here at FedEx Field. Thanks again for making the Locked On Commanders podcast your first listen and watch of the day. For your next listen and watch, check out Locked On Sports today. Again, the biggest stories in sports, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, take of the day. It's available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. If you have questions or uh, you want to get in on the voicemail line, it's 301-615-3577. That's 301-615-3577. For uh, David Harrison off on this episode, covering the Commanders for SI.com's Fan Nation and Commander Country. I'm Chris Russell, one after the Russell and Medhurst show. You can listen to me and Pete Medhurst every Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to noon Eastern time, live, free, on demand, always available on the Odyssey app as well. If you're out and about, please be safe. Thanks for joining us right here on the Locked On Commanders podcast. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.